Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of Kumo tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. The college football playoff is officially set. And the big question is, did the college football playoff committee get it right? And I always say that ultimately the college football playoff committee, when it makes a difficult decision, has to reconcile two competing interests. What is the goal of the college football playoff committee? Is it to put on the team that is most deserving or is it to put the team in the college football playoff that is the best? Now, sometimes those uh, those categories overlap. Alabama, Clemson, and Notre Dame were, I think on some level, all incredibly deserving, right? You go 13-0 and and you win your conference like Alabama and Clemson did. You go undefeated against all competition, as Notre Dame did, in a major FBS schedule, and you are undoubtedly incredibly deserving. Alabama and Clemson are the two best teams in college football, so those two are easy. They are undeniably the best and the most deserving. I don't believe Notre Dame is the best, but I do believe they are the most deserving and that when you go 12-0, and they deserve to be in the college football playoff. But for the fourth spot, the best available team was Georgia. Don't have to believe me. You can believe Vegas. Georgia would have been a three-and-a-half-point favorite against Oklahoma or Ohio State on a neutral field. They would have been nearly a seven-point favorite over Notre Dame. Georgia was, even though they were 11-2, and two, unquestionably 
the best available candidate to make the college football playoff. Zero doubt. But they were not the most deserving team to make the college football playoff because they lost to LSU because thanks to Kirby Smart's insanely dumb decision to fake that punt on 4th and 11, they were not the most deserving team. So you had to then make a decision. I think it came down to Georgia versus Oklahoma, and ultimately that's what the college football playoff committee showed you because Georgia finished 5th and Ohio State finished 6th. And that was all she wrote in the college football playoff rankings. Oklahoma got in. The college football playoff committee took most deserving over best. That was the way that they broke the tie. They said, you know what? Oklahoma went 12-1. and They lost one game in a neutral field to Texas by three points. And they came back and they beat Texas by 12 Therefore, we are going with Oklahoma as the college football playoffs fourth team. And by the way, the opening lines are out. Alabama around a 14 and a half or 15 point favorite over Oklahoma. They will be playing in Miami on December 29th. I believe I will be there to watch that game in person. It should be fun. The over under in this game already at 79 and a half. Meanwhile, down in Dallas, we will have Clemson going up against Notre Dame. Early prediction for you. Clemson's around a 12-point favorite. I think we're going to get Alabama versus Clemson part four, and that game will be taking place in Santa Clara. And I believe I'll be out there doing the radio show live from Santa Clara in some form or fashion. How we're going to do that, I don't think we've exactly figured it out, but I think it's going to be Alabama against Clemson for that national title game and so as you look my argument remains the same first of all I'll let you open up the phone lines for the first time 877-996-6369 you can weigh in on the college football playoff committee or anything that happened in the NFL uh, also the Kirby Smart decision I do believe and maintain my argument and I'm going to keep getting on this the soapbox and making this argument using my uh, bully pulpit here that we need an eight-team college football playoff. And if we had an eight-team college football playoff, right now we would have Alabama playing against UCF. We'd have Clemson against Michigan. We'd have Notre Dame against Ohio State. And we'd have Oklahoma against Georgia. We'd have games on campus being played in my ideal universe. Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma would all host home playoff games. And we would see what would happen. Tell me that you wouldn't love to see Oklahoma and Georgia rematch again in Norman. Tell me you wouldn't love to see Notre Dame hosting Ohio State in South Bend. Tell me Death Valley wouldn't be roaring with Michigan coming on the road against Clemson and that Central Florida getting their chance to win against a big-time heavyweight opponent like Alabama down in Tuscaloosa wouldn't be great. And by the way, if you don't think UCF deserves to be in, You could give the Pac-12 a nod and bring in Washington either way. If you watch that Washington team play, there's no way they... That was an ugly game, man. Washington, Utah. Ugly, ugly game. There's no way Washington would go on the road and beat Alabama. 
I don't think anybody's going to beat Alabama. I think Alabama got their challenge. Now, got to figure out what's going on with Tua's health. Severe ankle sprain. Same thing with Hollywood Brown. And what's going to happen with Oklahoma? Will he be ready to play? If not, Kyler Murray and Oklahoma's offense is going to be in for a challenge big time with that Alabama defense regardless. But boy, those are two big time playmakers that we need to see whether or not they can get healthy over the next four weeks. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Kareem Hunt, to me, is an embodiment of our modern outrage culture. And there are two things in our culture that I would change if I could wave a magic wand. Two things in particular that I have seen arise over the past couple of years. Obviously, there's lots of things I would change if I could change a magic, wave a magic wand. For instance, I wish nobody ever died. I wish nobody ever got treated badly. Like, there are lots of things like, okay, boom, let's wave a magic wand. But things that have arisen in the past few years, I believe there are two that have been incredibly uh, detrimental to overall American society. One is our national outrage culture. Everybody is always looking to play the victim. They're always outraged. And we give the person who is outraged far too much attention and credibility. So starting here, Kareem Hunt ties directly into our national outrage culture because people want to be upset about things. And when something bad happens, they decide that they are outraged and something has to be done. Okay. And on top of that, the NFL has played in substantially into our national outrage culture by putting into place their own investigative body, their own investigative arm, and starting to punish players over the last decade for things that have nothing to do with football. I have been on this soapbox for a decade now, and very few people have climbed up on top of it with me. But I have been screaming this from the rooftops from the moment it began. The NFL shouldn't be doing investigations. The NFL's job is not to conduct criminal inquiries into off-the-field things that have nothing to do with the NFL. And I don't understand why Roger Goodell and the NFL is too stupid to understand this, and I also don't understand why the NFL Players Association is such a collection of nincompoops that none of them have stood up and said, you can't do this, Roger Goodell and the NFL. Now, I don't think it's smart when the NFL spends months, if not years, investigating whether Tom Brady deflated footballs but at least that directly connects to on-the-field behavior. The NFL's job should be to legislate and provide rules for behavior that either takes place on the field or is directly connected to on-the-field behavior. If you want to drug test players for HGH and steroids and everything else, I totally think that makes sense. If you want to drug test players I think that the uh, for for non-performance enhancing drugs I think the NFL Players Association are being nincompoops for allowing it but at least they can arguably say that directly impacts the on the field 
performance of players. There's no way imaginable that the NFL should be in the business of conducting investigations into off-field behavior. I've got a crazy idea. If you aren't in jail or prison, you should be eligible to play in the NFL. Now, if individual teams don't want to employ you, that's another story entirely. But the NFL and Roger Goodell made a disastrous decision when they decided that Roger Goodell was going to be judge, jury, and executioner and punish players entirely for off-the-field related incidents. Because what it did was open up situations like these because the number one response that people have when this Kareem Hunt video went public is going to be, why didn't the NFL see it? Why didn't the NFL conduct a more serious investigation? The NFL should say, in this next collective bargaining agreement, if they were intelligent at all, and the players should agree to it too, we're out of the investigation business. If there is a punishment levied by the criminal justice system, the NFL could easily follow the findings of the criminal justice system and also extract their pound of flesh if they believe they need to issue their own punishments. But the NFL does not need to be investigating every single allegation that's made about every single player. I thought they got the Ezekiel Elliott suspension wrong. The evidence did not support Ezekiel Elliott being suspended for six games. I think that by and large, they have done a very poor job of conducting investigations into criminal matters. Why have they done a poor job? Because, and this is me putting on my lawyer hat, it's very hard to do. It's hard to conduct a really thorough criminal investigation. Ask anybody who's ever been a police officer. Ask anybody who's ever been a DA. Ask anybody who's ever been a criminal defense attorney. Ask anybody who's ever been involved in the criminal justice system at all. And they will tell you this is a difficult thing to undertake even for our state or federal governments. And even if they have complete subpoena power and they can threaten people with putting them in jail if they don't comply with the investigation it's hard to do so this idea that the nfl is just going to waltz in and suddenly do a better job than all of our national investigative arms in the criminal justice system is insanely stupid and the fact that people expect that they should be able to do it and also that they expect that the nfl should be in this business at all is also insanely stupid and it really drives me insane And this is evidence, if you listened in hour one, I said ultimately when you were paid lots of money, you were paid for your judgment. This to me is clear evidence that Roger Goodell is overpaid in his job because somebody would have sat down and talked about him a decade ago about what a bad decision this was, that he was putting in place the NFL personal conduct policy. I don't think it's a coincidence that Roger Goodell isn't an attorney and that he made the decision to put into place this policy. I think and a reasonably intelligent lawyer would have seen the calamity that this was going to create for the NFL and that it was bad for the NFL's brand and their overall shield. Because now, and I can't impress this upon you enough, every time an NFL player gets in trouble off the field, do you know what the first response from most fans is? What's the NFL going to do about this? That's a seismic shift in the way that fans and the public and the media thought about off-field misbehavior back in the day when Ray Carruth got arrested for murder 
nobody was thinking, what's the NFL going to do about this? When Ray Lewis got arrested and charged with murder, nobody was thinking, what's the NFL going to do about this? That's because the NFL wasn't in the criminal justice system at the time. Fans understood that sometimes players misbehaved and that that wasn't the NFL's job to legislate. It wasn't the NFL's job to send out suspensions for off-the-field related behavior. And then Roger Goodell made it the NFL's job. And even dumber, every other major professional sports league in America followed Roger Goodell in the NFL right off the cliff. Don't believe me? Major League Baseball gets baseball player gets accused of domestic violence. What's the first thing that happens? People want to know how many games is he going to get suspended from baseball. Not what's the criminal justice system going to do. How many games is he going to get suspended? I said this back when Ray Rice happened. Ray Rice video comes out. Ray Rice's career is over as an NFL player. Nobody asked the question, why did the state of New Jersey let Ray Rice off with probation when they had a video of him knocking out his fiance? Nobody. Nobody focused on the lenient treatment from the criminal justice system based on the fact that Ray Rice had a great attorney and all he got was probation for knocking out his fiance on a video. Nobody sat around and said, why did Adrian Peterson get such lenient treatment when he beat the crap out of his kid and got charged with child abuse? You know what everybody immediately said? Why did the NFL do what they did? Very few people are asking in the Kareem Hunt story what happened on this criminal investigation into his behavior with this woman. Almost everyone is asking, how did the Kansas City Chiefs not see this? How did the NFL not investigate this? Why has the NFL done such a crappy job of this investigation? That's what everybody's asking. And I think it's a very valid question that should be asked in the criminal justice context, it should never be asked about the NFL. All this ties in, the NFL's response, I think is a response to outrage culture. I think it's a response to outrage culture, which is driven very much by social media, which is perpetually skipping from one outrage to another. Here's the solution to outrage culture. Just ignore it. I got to give the Washington Redskins some credit here. I have seen so many different organizations and public figures. As soon as people start to complain, they immediately apologize. Never apologize. Make a decision, stick to it, and roll with it. If people don't like your decision, then deal with it. The Washington Redskins decided to sign Reuben Foster. Not a decision I would have made. But once you have made your decision handle the fact that a lot of people might disagree with it and then accept that it's only going to take about 24 hours of people being angry and then they'll move on to the next thing. It isn't a long-range danger. Outrage culture isn't real. It's social media driven and it lasts for about 24 hours and then it's gone. And if you just have the balls to stand up to it, and say, you know what, I understand you disagree with our decision. Everybody doesn't agree with every decision that's made every day in America. They'll be on to the next thing. This is honestly, to the extent that he has any genius at all, Donald Trump's genius. Throw so much outrage 
at people that they can't even keep up. People are still talking about Hillary Clinton's emails years after the email situation because she did so few controversial things by and large that the one controversy that she had, she couldn't escape. Donald Trump's got like a billion controversies every single week. I don't know what the controversy of today will be. There'll be one, and then there'll be another controversy on Tuesday and another one on Wednesday, and people can't keep up with all the controversy, so it's hard for people to even figure out what's big and what's small and what they should be outraged about. That's all the NFL has to do. Just wait it out. They people move on. Roger Goodell fed into outrage culture by creating the personal conduct policy. By the way, the other thing I would change is identity politics. Outrage culture and identity politics, the combination of the two is the worst thing that exists in America today. I'm outraged because I'm a transgender dwarf lesbian. And as a transgender dwarf lesbian, I believe, oh God, just just get out of here, right? This idea that everybody's got to preface every one of their opinions by saying, as a blank, 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 as a transgender dwarf lesbian, I believe, why do I need to know that you're a transgender, a dwarf, and a lesbian? Just tell me what you think, and I can decide whether or not I agree or disagree with your argument. I don't need you to preface your opinion by giving me your identity as if it gives some validity to your opinion over and above that opinion. Drives me crazy that the NFL has played into this outrage culture and created a huge mess for all of sports when sports leagues shouldn't be in the business of investigating criminal behavior ever. That's not their job. It isn't the job of the leagues or the teams to investigate players for misbehavior off the field that has nothing to do with their jobs and then suspend them based on it. It's one of the dumbest decisions I've ever seen any pro sports leagues make. Roger Goodell made the decision. Everybody else followed him off the bridge. He jumped. Everybody else jumped, and they're all drowning. Um, All right, we got audio of Kareem Hunt and his interview. I want to play this for you because I bet a lot of you missed it. This aired in the pregame, I believe, on ESPN yesterday, right before kickoff. Here's Kareem Hunt addressing the video of him shoving and kicking a woman in a hotel room uh, in a hotel room hallway. Here's what Kareem Hunt had to say. It was just a, a long night, and to be exact, it don't really matter what happened. I was in the wrong. I could have took responsibility and, you know, made the right decision to, you know, find a way to de-escalate the whole situation. It was definitely some things that were said and did that I did not like, and that's not an excuse it's not I'm that person in that video did not deserve that I didn't mean to hurt anybody or any anything like that it's really tough it's tough because like I feel like I let a lot of people down and I just really want to you know apologize to everybody the Chiefs organization my family and close friends How much do you regret what happened, being in that position at all? Or is it more that you regret that you didn't tell the truth about what happened? Or do you regret that it came out, that it was on video? I regret the entire thing, everything. I regret the entire thing. And I'm going to take the time to, like I said, better myself and learn from this, get some help if needed, talk to people, and just really, you know, take this really serious. 
Has the NFL ever questioned you about that incident? No, they have not. Uh, did they ever ask you to, uh, to talk about that incident? No, they have not. All right, so the NFL did not investigate that incident because they didn't know what happened. They hadn't seen the video. Again, the NFL shouldn't be the focal point here. Uh, I think the question should be, why was Kareem Hunt not charged with a crime? Is it because, based on that video, there isn't, beyond a reasonable doubt, evidence that he committed a crime? I would love to hear from the prosecutors who investigated this case and had viewed the video. I don't believe the NFL should be in the investigative business. I also believe this. I think you deserve, if you are talented at a job, a second, third, maybe even a fourth chance. I'm not the guy who says you never deserve another chance if a team believes in you and believes you are worth uh, the, uh, the, the, the employment. And I don't believe that Kareem Hunt should necessarily be in the crosshairs of an NFL investigation. I think if the criminal justice system decided that he was not culpable, that they were not going to charge him because they didn't believe they could get get a conviction, then I would like to hear from the prosecutors, the DAs who reviewed all this footage, hear why they said that. And then I think individual NFL teams could make a decision about whether or not they want to sign Kareem Hunt. I think the worst thing you can do is bend the knee to outrage culture. People are perpetually outraged in America today. Every little thing that happens, there's an outrage. And people try to put out the fire of outrage. I would suggest something else. Most of the time, ignore it. People have always been upset. Bending the knee to outrage every single time just propagates a furtherance of outrage culture. I talk every day for three hours on my show at this. Then I do an additional 30 minutes on Periscope and Facebook. Then I do an additional hour on television. I talk every day, almost five hours a day of live audio. You know how many times I've ever apologized for anything I've said or written? Zero. You know why? Because if I say it, I tend to mean it. And you know what happens when you don't apologize? People learn that you're not going to bend the knee to outrage culture and that it doesn't work on you and they move on to other people who are more pussy willows. Remember when I went on CNN, I said I love the First Amendment and boobs? You know how many people wanted me to apologize for what I said? I said, what do you want me to apologize for? I'm not going to say I don't like boobs. (laughs) You want me me to lie? I'm not going to say I don't respect the First Amendment as the most important right that we have in America. I said what I meant. I was joking. I was having fun with it. But you want me to apologize? You want me to apologize to CNN? That loser who was hosting that show? Who pretended to get outraged? Who grabbed her pearls and fainted back onto the couch? Hell no. My audience grew substantially. You know why? Because there's a lot of you out there that are sick of fake apologies to fake outrage. I don't play that game. I don't think the NFL should play that game. I think fake outrage culture is about everything that sports isn't. I think it's high time that the leagues, the players, everybody stopped bending the knee to fake outrage every single time it happens. And I think that was the impetus behind the NFL personal conduct policy that Roger Goodell implemented, which has been a disaster. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Let's go to the Outkick VIP line, Chad in Tennessee. What's up, Chad? Morning, Clay. Uh, I'll be brief on all. make three points. One, the way the social media works and the outrage people have is people even get offended 
when you try to objectively just talk about Kareem Hunt and the situation that happened with this young lady, just because you're talking about it doesn't mean that you condone something or doesn't yeah, look, mean that you support that you should Kareem. never. Yeah, let me, let me say it. You should never hit a woman or a girl, right? You should a, a man should never hit a woman, kick a woman, shove a woman, do any of those things, right? But because it happens doesn't mean that I think Kareem Hunt should never be able to play in the NFL again. I would apply the same standard for him that I would every player. Does your talent exceed your problems? And I also don't believe that the NFL should be investigating this. I'm more curious about why the criminal justice system didn't bring any charges here than I am why the NFL didn't investigate it. Right, and that's point two. The DA in Cleveland, no charges were filed. Did they Did they interview everybody? Did, did they review the videotape? I mean, there are a lot of questions that may still be kind of right there that you don't have all the answers to, but no charges were filed. So then the NFL has to then come back and say, oh, gosh, eight, nine months later, we reviewed the tape, we saw the tape, and this young man's life is over. I mean, I do believe someone should get a second chance. You look at the Reuben Foster situation, there's a pattern there. I think that's more egregious than Kareem, who may have been intoxicated. There could have been other factors that led to this one-time incident. So, But that's that. And then the third point you made about CNN and the boobs and Brooke Baldwin and all that, it is the hypocrisy of the fact that when she was on the show, she was saying, hold, hold on, hold on. This is a national show with a female host. It wasn't just a host. It wouldn't yeah. matter if you were on Anderson Cooper's show, Don Lemon's show, on a CNN show. The show's the show. You said what you said and you stood behind it, but then she comes in after and many shows after and talks about the president's penis and just laughs about anything and everything, and that's okay. But the the moral outrage was at that moment, to your point, you were to, to have apologized, and I'm glad that you didn't because you stood up to it. Yeah, I appreciate the call. Look, I, tr- I talk to men and women the exact same way. People say, oh, you know, Clay Travis, he's sexist. He doesn't treat women differently. That's what she wanted me to do on the television show. She said, as a female host, as a woman, how could you talk to me? Like, I talk to you the same way that I would talk to a man. That's the very definition of equality. Like, I don't tiptoe up to my opinion because you're a woman. I treat you the exact same as I would a man. And then people are like, well, I want special treatment because I'm a woman. No, I'm going to treat you the same. Outkick VIP line, Dan in New Jersey. Dan, what's up? Hey, Clay. How's it going? Excellent. So, um, I just wanted to get your take as to how much you think uh, Tyreek Hill being on the roster has, um, if that had any impact on on the Chiefs' decision. Because to me, it seems like uh, what Tyreek Hill what Tyreek Hill did in his with his incident in college was way more egregious. Yeah. Than Kareem Hunt, and I think. That you know the Chiefs had to you know had to come down hard on Kareem Hunt or you know they would have been you know absolutely blasted on you know every national outlet as being a team that uh, doesn't care about domestic violence and do you think it was just because Kareem Hunt was on video and, and again the, it seems like the NFL only cares um, when these incidents are on video or again uh, maybe it's just Tyreek's talent is less replaceable than uh, Kareem Hunt's talent you know we've seen. Um, you know, a lot of talk about the running back position that it's, you know, from Le'Veon Bell to James Conner, you know, it seems like you could just plug him in and any running back will do, uh, will do great. But, you know, other positions don't get maybe that, uh, that that's, you know, you got Tyreek Hill, yeah. Ruben Foster, 
Uh, Greg Hardy, again, second chances in other places. Um, seems like maybe, you know, Kareem Hunt, Ray Rice, a little bit of a pattern there. Do you think any of that has to come into play? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, and I do think Tyreek Hill factors in. If you're not familiar with the story, Tyreek Hill was kicked out of Oklahoma State because he choked and punched his pregnant girlfriend. Um, and uh, that is obviously infinitely more egregious as wrongdoings are assessed than the video of Kareem Hunt. But it's on video. If Tyreek Hill were on video choking and punching his pregnant fiance, I think, or girlfriend at the time, then he would never play in the NFL again. And I think that speaks to a certain extent on our failures as uh, as intelligent humans. When someone pleads guilty to something, it means that they did it, right? When you plead guilty to choking and punching your pregnant girlfriend like Tyreek Hill did, then the fact that we're okay with it because we don't see the video is an indictment, I think, of us. If Ray Rice's video never comes out, he continues to play in the NFL. If Kareem Hunt's video doesn't come out, then he continues to play in the NFL too. It's only when we see it. Well, when you have a guy plead guilty to a crime, he's acknowledging that he did it. So why do we feel like, oh, Tyreek Hill is okay because we didn't see the video versus Kareem Hunt, who we did see the video, but it's a much less significant wrongdoing than what Tyreek Hill did. Charlie and Dayton reacting to Kareem Hunt, your thoughts? Hey, Clay, man, I just want to say I love the show, man. I listen to you every single morning. Um, I and appreciate I want that. To, I want to give a, I want to give a, a kudos to, to Chiefs fans. I don't think you guys really realize how good you have it because I am rolling through Cincinnati right now. I'm a Bengals fan. And um, your franchise realizes that a player is not greater than the team. Yep. And sometimes you got to make a decision like that. And all you got to do is look at my franchise, the Bengals, uh, you know, going back to uh, Chris Henry and Vontez and Pac-Man Jones. I mean, all these guys. And Coach Marvin Lewis. I mean, the Packers just fired McCarthy. They've played in four NFC championships and won a Super Bowl, and he's gone. Yeah. And we can't even – We, I, dude, I turned the game off yesterday. So, hey, you know, Chiefs fans, if you're down about that, hey, at least you got a franchise that cares. Have a good one, Clay. Yeah, I appreciate it. By the way, you didn't even mention Joe Mixon, who is on oh. tape. You're right. Yeah. I mean, Joe, Joe Mixon, Oklahoma former star running back, is on tape knocking out a tiny girl on video broke her jaw in multiple places. I mean, delivered a devastating blow to her. And the Chiefs, I mean, the the, the Bengals drafted him in the second round. You're uh, right, my buddy, Clay, and I, and I called you about that. I was like, what are we doing? We don't even develop running backs, so what are we doing? Yeah. Oh, thanks for the call. I, there are coaches, when you talk to coaches about recruiting, they say one of the things that coaches always preach is you recruit your your problems. And it's a simple way. Like, you can tell when a guy who has got issues is coming into your program and whether or not they will fit in your locker room. The Bengals, it seems to me, take a lot of guys with risks. And Marvin Lewis never won a playoff game there. 
Moreover, sometimes their discipline falls apart like it did at the end of the game. I think it was against the Steelers a couple of years ago, right? When the Bengals had that game won and then they just fell apart. It happens over and over again. Discipline when you need it the most in football has fallen apart for the Bengals. It's a great point, by the way. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about Mike McCarthy being fired. I'm sure we will later in the week kind of unpack that story a little bit, but there's so many other bigger stories, I think, frankly. But it is a great point about Mike McCarthy getting fired, given despite all the success he's had with the Packers. And Marvin Lewis like has a coaching job for life. It doesn't seem to matter what he does from one moment to the next. Uh, Eddie in Texas. What's up, Eddie? Good morning, sir. Hey, what's shaking? Hey, uh, Goodell is, I totally agree with you, so I'm sorry. Goodell is FOS, full of blank. Yep. Uh, in all, I mean, he, he's P.T. Barnum. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, you know, I know you're a lawyer, and I live in a, I grew up in Houston, Texas, and if I'm charged with something, I want the judicial system to take my case and determine if I'm guilty. And then, of course, we all know I'm supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. Yep. And that's what should take place. And a, a person in a professional sporting league should not be handling my future. So yes. I totally agree with you on that. But we all know when it gets right down to the bottom line that it has something to do with greed and money. And everybody's guilty of that. Everybody. The NFL, the teams, everybody. And so, but I think it's, like you said earlier, it's just our society. We get all our panties in a wad about everything. Hell, there was a radio station I heard somewhere this morning that's not playing Baby It's Cold Outside Christmas Carol because of the wee movement or something. <laughs> I, I, by the way, file that away. Let's make sure we play Baby It's Cold Outside when we come back. Uh, I did hear that that's a controversy now, which is funny if you hear any lyrics in basically any popular song. Like, every, every single rap song is a billion times just about more offensive than Baby It's Cold Outside. The amount of outrage that is so fake in this country today has never been higher. Francisco in California, what's up? Morning, Clay. First time caller here. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I agree with, uh, you know, with your point in regards to not uh, – Conducting investigations, uh, the NFL that should not be in that in that business at all. Conducting criminal investigations. However, I do think that uh, individuals should be held accountable once they, you know, once they are proven guilty. Once, uh, just because I think part of that is because you know I've been active duty military for the last fifteen years, and I. Um, I'm held accountable under the UCMJ, so anything that I do off duty has consequences in my professional career. So there's uh, there's, any, there's no doubt about that, uh-huh. but hold, hold on a sec. There's a difference between behaving inappropriately and behaving in a criminal fashion, right? I think that you can certainly say that Kareem Hunt has behaved inappropriately in that video. But what I would like to hear, and we still haven't heard is the DA said they looked into this case and they decided not to press charges. Why did they do that? And then you can be let go if your employer decides that you behaved inappropriately. So 
if that video comes out and the Kansas City Chiefs see it and they say, you know what, we can't continue to employ somebody that was behaving in this manner, even if it's not criminal conduct, I'm perfectly fine with them making the decision they don't want to employ Kareem Hunt anymore. What I am saying is it seems to me that the story has already shifted from what did Kareem Hunt do to why did the NFL not conduct an investigation into this incident and determine what Kareem Hunt had done. And my argument here is just the NFL shouldn't be in the investigative business, right? And so that is my – I think Roger Goodell has set the awful precedent because now whenever an NFL player misbehaves or behaves inappropriately, the first thing that people think is – Yes, what Mm -hmm. is Roger Goodell doing? And I'll say this, when – this this really crystallized for me – when Adrian Peterson got accused of child abuse and the first thought was not, oh, what's the state of Texas going to do about this Adrian Peterson child abuse charge, which was awful and the photos were were brutal and everything else. It was, what is the NFL going to do about Adrian Peterson committing child abuse? And I think what has happened is Roger Goodell's attempt to protect the NFL has backfired and blown up in his face such that every single time an NFL player gets in trouble now, the first thought is not, oh, let's let the criminal justice system handle this and figure out what happened. It is, what is the NFL going to do? Why didn't the NFL do more? All of those things dealing completely with criminal potential misconduct. Okay. No, uh, good enough. call, and thanks for the service, by the way. Appreciate it. Uh, 15 years. Uh, and look, I get it. I teach my kids every day, you have to be accountable for your own actions. Every individual is responsible for himself. My point here, I think, is an important one. It is that the NFL should not be conducting a criminal investigation. Think about this. If you worked at Walmart, is Walmart conducting a criminal investigation into your behavior Uh, if you were accused of drunken driving you say no walmart waits for the criminal justice system to make a decision and then they might fire you if you got a dui or they might fire you if you got arrested for a dui and they found out about it even if you later beat those charges that's walmart's right i'm just using walmart as an example but you would think it was ludicrous if walmart hired an investigator And while the criminal justice system was investigating your case, Walmart was also investigating you for for misconduct too. And I'm using Walmart. It could be UPS. It could be FedEx. It could be anywhere. Just about every business in America would say it's not our job to conduct a criminal investigation. We're going to wait and let the criminal investigation take place and then we'll make a decision. Or maybe we'll make a decision if they even start the criminal investigation. Right, Your standard can well be, hey, if you're being investigated for felony domestic abuse, we don't want you to be a member of our team anymore. That's certainly a standard you could apply, but it's all predicated on the criminal justice system conducting an investigation, not the NFL. Again, I think this, is a, 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 this makes even more sense for anybody who's ever worked in the criminal justice system. It's hard. I used to do sexual harassment investigations. This idea that it's easy to do investigations and figure out what happened is a total fallacy. There are multiple different angles to every story. You sit across the table from somebody, I think we've been seduced by television into believing, oh, it's easy to tell who's lying and easy to tell who's telling the truth. It's not. 
it's almost impossible even for highly trained, highly skilled fact finders. So why do we think that the NFL is just going to parachute into a case that the criminal justice system determined was not worthy of prosecution because they didn't believe they could get a conviction and the NFL is going to parachute in there and suddenly be able to see with crystal clear clarity exactly what happened? It's a joke. It's absurd. Jordan in uh, North Carolina, what's up? Yeah, uh, Clay, uh, appreciate you taking my phone call. Um, I'm just trying to look at this from Roger Goodell's perspective, and here I'm in charge of a you know a multi-billion dollar company, yep. and my company's on TV every Sunday, and my product is out there every Sunday, and there's millions, billions of women who are out there um, watching my product on the field, and they see one of their you know, maybe their uh, fans or someone, not their fans, I'm sorry, but one of their uh, football players do something such as he did to another woman. Um, I think Roger Goodell is not really thinking about the due process of law. I think he's just looking at, hey, I've got to protect my product. Yeah, and but here's the problem. Therefore, yeah, here's the problem, though. Sometimes the, the cases where there is video are rare, right? I appreciate the call, Jordan. And I think you're right. I think Roger Goodell's trying to protect his product. But the cases where there's video is rare. And there are often cases where things are just not true. And I said this back when the NFL implemented the personal conduct policy. What if instead of the Duke lacrosse team that had been a bunch of members of an NFL franchise – that were accused of raping a stripper. There would have been the same demand and outrage and demand that everybody act. And I think if you apply the Duke lacrosse standard to the NFL's personal conduct policy, it's highly likely that every single player would have been suspended and released from the team for the allegations that were made in the Duke lacrosse case. That was only like a decade ago. And what did we find out in Duke Lacrosse? It was 100% made up. None of it was true. It was all lies. What if the NFL had a similar case to Duke Lacrosse? They suspend a dozen NFL players, a team craters. It's a huge chaos and controversy. And then it's later determined that the players did nothing wrong and it was 100% a lie. That was our criminal justice system investigating that case. And they missed everything and failed. Why do we think that the NFL would have been able to conduct an investigation in that case and do a better job? I would submit to you that if the Duke lacrosse case had instead been the Dallas Cowboy case, that under existing precedent, the NFL would suspend all those players probably tanked that entire team season. And then later on, we're going to find out that they did nothing wrong. And all those guys' names have been dragged through the mud. And the NFL would owe them, I think, hundreds of millions of dollars in payments for the way that they had wronged them, just like all of those Duke lacrosse players got paid by Duke and all the other individuals involved in that case. Final call, then we're going to talk with Alex Marvez. Victor in L.A. What's up, Victor? Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, love the show. Complete show. That's what I love about the show. It's complete. Covers so many things. Really good show. Uh, my that. question is, um, at this point, 
with this situation. Uh, if we were to if we were to do things the way you're kind of suggesting is, if we were to let if the NFL was to let uh, the due process take place and have their players play all the way through it, what do you feel the media and the social media backlash would be, or what would the response be if they just went ahead and took it that way? Do you think it would be grand? How do you feel that would play out? Thank you. Yeah, so it's much. a good question. It's a good question. I, I think that what would happen is the the teams would probably feel obligated to release the players in a situation like this where there is video. Now, if the allegation came out against Kareem Hunt and there was never any video, then I think the Chiefs probably could continue to play him, right? I mean, we react differently when we see video. Ray Rice is still not in the league because he's on video knocking somebody out. And that's why we had a good call earlier who said, wait a minute, Tyreek Hill pled guilty to choking and punching his pregnant wife. If that were on video, I doubt that Tyreek Hill would have ever been drafted and I doubt that he would have ever played in the NFL because I think teams would have said there's no way we're going to draft this guy who's on video choking and, and, uh, and punching his pregnant girlfriend. We're not going to take that risk on him. He's a great player. But his off-the-field risks, his problems would be too substantial. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe because Tyreek Hill's incident happened in college, he would have still been able to play in the NFL. After all, Joe Mixon is on video knocking out that girl who was also a student at Oklahoma, and the Cincinnati Bengals drafted him in the second round. And the argument that the Bengals made was, look, this was a dumb thing that he did, a criminal misconduct that he did in college and now we believe that he has learned from it and he's not going to make that mistake again maybe that's the response that would have played out here I think Kareem Hunt will eventually get re-signed by someone else but I think the pressure on the Kansas City Chiefs to release him in the wake of that video was substantial and I don't think that that's that's necessarily a wrong right every single team has the right to make a decision about whether to continue to employ somebody when they behave in an inappropriate fashion. What I'm focused on more so is the NFL doesn't need to be investigating this. And that's where all the people, like there's going to be a ton of focus all week long on what did the NFL know, what did they do, why didn't they see it. My argument is the NFL needs to readdress the NFL personal conduct policy and decide that they are no longer going to conduct investigations into behavior like this Roger Goodell got that idea wrong and if he were smart he would acknowledge that he got it wrong in the next collective bargaining agreement and get out of this if he wants to parachute in after the criminal justice system takes an act and also punish a player let's say that Kareem Hunt gets charged with domestic violence and convicted of it if he then wants to parachute in and suspend for six games based on that criminal justice investigation and what happened there, that's fine. But the NFL does not need to be in the investigative business. It's insanely stupid. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Alex Marvez with us now. Alex, how stunned were you Mike McCarthy got fired? 
Uh, not well stunned at the timing. Absolutely. In fact, I guess according to ESPN, although their their sort of stats this morning are a little bit shaky if you look at Trey Wingo's Twitter account. But according to Adam Schefter, this is the first time that a Super Bowl winning head coach has been fired in season since the guy in and I swear to God, Don McCaffrey, I believe is his name from the 1970 Colts. He got wow. fired a couple years later. Yeah, I mean, usually you let the guy run out the string. But listen, it's best best for both parties in this way. You know, listen, McCarthy knew the handwriting was on the wall, right? and he probably wasn't going to be back, and, and almost certainly now he's free to start assembling a staff, having a pretty good idea to look at teams where he's you know, potentially going to be interviewed for a head coaching position, be ready there, and be ready to go. And for the Packers, it's the same thing. Hit the ground running. Cleveland's going to be in competition for a head coach as well. And, of course, you know, try to get that, that Aaron Rodgers seal of approval on whoever comes in and tries to update what had become, in my opinion, an antiquated offense. Did we learn more about the Chargers or the Steelers last night? Learn more about the Steelers, in my opinion, and I'm still trying to figure out some of the things. Listen, this team, very few teams, they, they did a charger. They found a way to beat themselves. Play, unbelievable, right? And listen, we can complain about the officiating. And listen, that missing the false start, I mean, if they fired a guy for missing one earlier this year in another Chargers game, maybe this guy should go as well. I mean, that was a huge play that led to a touchdown. And there was a block in the back missed, you know, a really blatant one, uh, you know, on, on the punt return for a touchdown for them. But, you know, you look at what happens in the second half. The play calling gets conservative. They've got linebackers trying to cover Keenan Allen. The defense gets gashed. They can't get any pressure. They give up 83 rushing yards in the second half compared to just two in the first half. Look, and for the Chargers, I mean, you know, the narrative that a lot of us had was, well, who have they beaten this year? I mean, yeah, they beat Seattle, but, you know, they got fat and happy off a lot of bad teams. They lost to the Chiefs in week one. Well, now we really have to consider this Chargers team extremely legitimate for showing grit. Yes, grit, Clay. I had to mention it on this show. Coming back the way that they did in the second half. By the way, the biggest collapse in Pittsburgh Steelers history at home. No time in the franchise's history have they held a 14-plus point lead and lost. It's a wild stat, the playoffs as we come down the stretch. So we will find out a little bit more tonight based on how the NFC East is going to shake out and also potentially the wild card with what we see happen between the Redskins and the the Philadelphia Eagles. But in the AFC, uh, it appears that we should at minimum go ahead and pencil in the LA Chargers for one wild card and maybe they'll even end up contending for the AFC West if they could go on the road in a couple of weeks and win at Kansas City. So I feel like there's five teams that we feel pretty confident about, even the Steelers. I don't think that the Ravens are going to catch them uh, given the tiebreak situation and everything there. But there are right now five teams, I believe, battling for the final spot in the AFC. I want to see who you think is going to get it. Baltimore well, is in first are... place right now. I mean, in the sixth spot at seven and five. Then you got the Dolphins, the Colts, the Denver Broncos, and the Tennessee Titans all at six and six. If one of these teams gets to ten and six, I think they get it. Who's got the best shot? Well, I mean, when we're looking at strength of schedule, I mean, Denver legitimately has a shot at this. If the Dolphins can upset New England on Sunday, and that isn't a stretch as much as some people may think just because the Dolphins always play this team tough at home, and despite the fact that the Dolphins have to be the dreckiest 6-6 six and six team that we've seen in some time, right? I mean, they had 175 yards of offense yesterday. They gave up 415 yards. Josh Allen runs for 125, yet they keep turning the football over in Buffalo, and the Dolphins end up winning 
playing another game ugly. But if they can get past New England, their schedule looks favorable. You know, Baltimore-Pittsburgh, as far as scenarios, you know, listen, for the division title with Pittsburgh 7-4-1, and Baltimore 7-5, and good thing is no tiebreaker there. We'll know who it is. Uh, you know, so we'll see because Pittsburgh doesn't have it necessarily easy down the stretch also. But Indianapolis came crashing back to earth a bit. I'm just not sure if that's a one-week anomaly about a team feeling really good about itself or Jacksonville just having, you know, one of those days, which I don't think they're going to have very many in the future. And you can't trust Tennessee, right? I mean, kudos to them for coming back against the Jets, but the Jets are the Jets. Really is, Clay, it's really as wide open as we've seen in a while. But I'm not going to underestimate this Ravens team. And I don't think that their formula for success right now is sustainable over, let's say, a 16-game season. If you're going to keep exposing Lamar Jackson to big hits, he's eventually going to get hurt. He went into concussion protocol for a little bit yesterday before coming out. But I just think that with the way that they play defense, the way that they shut down Matt Ryan at home and that Atlanta Falcons offense, I just think the Ravens are legit and I have to give them the edge heading toward the wild card. What do you think happens there with the Joe Flacco-Lamar Jackson drama? Well, I mean, it's going to still be Lamar's team until he screws up. I think that's, you know, look, and you got to keep that in your back pocket, right? There's going to be at some point maybe this team needs to pass the football on a more consistent basis. And then at that point, you start getting, you know, Joe Flacco and then maybe the calls, the clamoring comes for him. But look, Clay, let's, let's be real here. We all know where this is going with Joe Flacco, and, and they are going to have to carry a lot of dead money. If they get rid of him, after this season, they're going to have to carry $24 million in dead money split between 2019 and 2020 against their cap. But they are going to clear a lot of money by getting rid of him next year in terms of cap space itself. $18.5 million becomes available. So you're really looking for the future for Joe Flacco. But no, Lamar Jackson's a guy for now. And what you got to do, listen, just try to get through to the next day. And then in the offseason, you work on all the other things that Lamar Jackson needs to get done. Believe it or not, he, I don't want to say he has a speech impediment, Clay, but he's very difficult to understand when he's calling plays in the huddle. And it was something that was a, a ding on him in the pre-draft scouting process. They've had to simplify the playbook a little bit just so people can understand what he's calling. He's getting over this. He's working on it. And he's done a really nice job since coming in. Obviously, they're 3-0. and And let's look at it like this, too, with Flacco. The Ravens were 4-5 and with him as their starter and on a three-game losing streak when he got hurt. They haven't lost since. This is Lamar Jackson's team until further notice. The Giants beat the Bears. How nervous should Bear fans be about this game? I know that I know that Mitch Trubisky's still not playing, but that's a little bit of an ominous uh, outcome, right? Well, yes and no. I mean, look, it's, I mean, the thing that was ominous to me was the fact that they couldn't pressure a human statue in Eli Manning. I mean, that, you know, when you couldn't knock him off his spot, and I know they get rid of the football quickly, but to me, that the performance by the defense, I thought, was a little bit shaky. Offensively, I, you know, it's Chase Daniel, and I just think you have to chalk it up to potentially Clay here, and, and we don't, you know, I don't know Matt Nagy intimately, but it's his first year as a head coach, and I think it's very easy for a team that's experiencing newfound success like the Chicago Bears to look past the New York Giants to Sunday night football this coming week against the L.A. Rams. I tell you, I think we see a different Bears team at home coming up against the Rams. Not saying they win, haven't dived into it that closely yet, but the Rams are going to be playing back-to-back trips where they're going back and forth from the West Coast. I just feel like they, you know, this might be Chicago's time next week when Mitch Trubisky returns, but hard to judge them based upon having Chase Daniel as your starter. What happens with Kareem Hunt? I think he gets claimed unless – and, and play just a shot across the bow here. I'm just going to point this out, and maybe you're a guy that knows the media world. Why is it that only the NFL Network is reporting that Kareem Hunt is potentially being investigated or is being investigated for an altercation with someone in June, apparently at a hotel where he may have punched somebody? A, different, because- a different altercation? 
Yes, a different altercation. This was reported Sunday morning. I haven't seen anyone else report it or confirm it, but I'm just wondering if the NFL wants to try to get word out there to freeze Kareem Hunt, to make sure that no team claims him, wouldn't it be easy to disseminate that information potentially to a media outlet such as your own to potentially cause teams to, to shy away from, from claiming Kareem Hunt? Because right now you claim him, you get him potentially in six games if it's a, you know just a, an assault situation that's gone on here under the personal conduct policy. If there's multiple multiple altercations, then he's not probably not going to be around. But listen, after the embarrassment that you saw last week with Reuben Foster being claimed by the Washington Redskins, and Reuben Foster is a shell of the player that Kareem Hunt is, why wouldn't a team with a running back needy situation claim Kareem Hunt? And I know the bad publicity is why and the video is why, but you know what? NFL teams are so myopic when it comes to this sort of thing. They just want to win games. A lot of fans just want to win games. By the way, Clay, have we heard of the Washington Redskins losing a single sponsor since this happened? Have they lost anything since claiming Reuben Foster? It would probably be the same thing, quite honestly, with Kareem Hunt, who did something bad, not nearly apparently as bad as Reuben Foster had done in the past, you know, according to a whole litany of different things. So I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised if he is claimed today just because it's a guy who's on a rookie contract who's a fabulous player who should be able to rehabilitate himself and get back in the NFL. And that would happen today if he gets claimed? be by 4 p.m. Eastern time, correct. Outstanding as always, Alex Marvez. We'll talk to you next week, my man. Thank you, Clay. Be good, baby. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying, flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when 
you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on!